0: You're listening to Talking Rugby with me, Matt Burke. G'day, I'm Matt Burke and welcome to 10 Speaks' latest podcast, Talking Rugby. Over the next few weeks as we build up to the Rugby World Cup, I'll be talking to some of the legends of the game that know a thing or two about winning a Rugby World Cup. Then, from September 18, we'll be hitting the ground running in Japan as Network 10 brings you all the action and excitement from the 2019 Rugby World Cup. It's going to be awesome because on this podcast we'll be having exclusive chats with players and coaching staff to give you an understanding of what the Wallabies' mindset will be during this World Cup. Fun, light-hearted and entertaining, there's always time for a laugh and then there's time to be serious. You're listening to Talking Rugby with me, Matt Burke. Our guest today is one of the most naturally gifted players to ever pull on a pair of rugby boots. He is the Maradona, the Pele of international rugby, all rolled into one and was inducted into the IRB Hall of Fame in 2013 amongst his many accolades. He also is known as the Prince of Wingers. I am, of course, talking about the one and only David Campese. Welcome, Capo. Thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm well, I'm well. Hey, uh, let's, let's go back to where you first started. You know, as a kid growing up in Canberra, did you know the Wallabies? Did you know who these hey, blokes were in gold who? jerseys? Who? Yeah, <laughs> Was it like that?
1: Mate, remember it's Queen Beer, not Canberra. Oh, me. Get it right, Canberra, Queenbid built Canberra. Okay, right. Um, Queen High, no. Cricket, uh, rugby league. That was it. So, rugby league. so you knew rugby league better than you. Oh, knew definitely, you knew yeah. At the time. Yeah, well, I was uh, St. George supporter, my mum supported St. George, she supported Collingwood, all the bad teams, and then Ranwick. So that's I that's how I grew up. I was a ball boy. Uh, for the Queanbeyan Blues, and there was a, a guy who should have played for Australia, a guy called Stevie Houston, number nine against uh, He played uh, against Stevie uh, Mortimer, and he used to wear boxing boots as a number... Yeah, great player. Mm. But then, obviously, if your ankles don't go, your knees go. Yeah. So he coached me in under-16s uh, for the Queanbean Blues. Blues. Uh, so it was all rugby league, St George. Uh, the English team came out to Australia, played in Queenbean, met uh, Tommy Bishop... And um, Cliff Watson when I was in Sydney. So, yeah, rugby league was, that was it. No well, rugby at all. Well,
0: I mean, if you look back, I mean, I, I played soccer as a kid. I, mm. didn't, I didn't know union at all. Uh, and and I, went to, I went to a private school in Sydney and, and, and that's what I knew as well. It wasn't, it wasn't until we watched you guys in 1990 France SFS and Liner and Didier Camembero were doing trading drop goals. That was the first time uh, I saw sort I of That's I'd the one with the fights. Was yeah, that's fitzy, right. yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. the first time I sort of realised. So when did you get a start of, of rugby? When did you um, actually... We had a
1: guy called Wayne Southwell, who was playing rugby for East in Canberra. He was our sportsmaster. And then he said, well, are we guys going to play rugby. And I said, well, what's that? So he put a team together, and then we went out to play St Edmunds, which is a private school in Canberra. And from that sit- from there, you know, I used to go and play Queen and Whites uh, for a couple of years. But my dad was Italian, had no idea about sport. <laughs> there was one game we were playing, we were winning, we lost. He said, you're never playing rugby again. I said, okay. That was sort that of it. Went it. to play Aussie Rules a couple of years. Golf championship at 15. Um, and then um, in 1979, I went and played fourth grade for the Queen and Whites. Uh, bro- brother Bob Wallace was the Australian schoolboy yeah. coach. Uh, came to me that year and said, mate, I've um, got an Australian schoolboy tour next year. Um, you know, do you want to come back to school? I said, I hate school. <laughs> so off I went and played fourth grade. You, you mentioned golf a second ago mm. uh, and golf
0: champion. I've played with you a couple of times. Mm. You hit the ball very, mm. very well. Could that have been a path for, for D Campisi?
1: Uh, could have been. Um, but I realised uh, that the, the guy was saying, like, if you – some of the stories I'll tell about all these young golfers, they go over America sleeping cars. Yeah. And I've just gone, no, it looks a bit too hard, really. Yeah. Um, I lived 100 minutes from the golf course. It was every, every afternoon. I used to start stealing the golf balls. And the creek. <laughs> There's a creek in them, but i go, it was a great way to start. Um, but no, then I realised, no, it just sort of happens. It was just one of those days I went to play fourth grade rugby and and stuck with it. And did you get hooked straight away? Uh, well, I was playing fourth grade with all the old guys. And uh, so everything I was... The ball would go over the scrum, then they realised this skinny young guy would bring the ball to them. So they had a great time. They just <laughs> stood there and and if I did something wrong, they'd say, mate, do this, do that. So um made the grand final that year, we won the grand final and next year we straight to first grade. So yeah, it was actually the pathway we talk about pathways now yeah. like the old days. Yeah. And club rugby is the way to go, is the way for young kids to, to learn about the game is because you've got older guys who will help you on the way through. Did you learn... Is that where you learnt that free spirit that we know that we assimilate D Camp, David Campisi with? I don't think... It's hard to to pick something. I mean, it was just uh, seven, 17, skinny guy. I, we, I trained hard. Um, and it was just learning as I went along. And, um, you know... In 1980, I think it was, we went to uh, New Zealand on a tour with Sparadaus, who was the ACT rugby coach. I dropped the ball at training and he said, mate, you drop that again and I'll punch you in the face. And I'm going, like, oh, okay. <laughs> Good motivation. This is great. <laughs> this is interesting. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, look, I was just going along with the ride. It wasn't yeah. dreams or I just went and played a sport. I started to enjoy playing. So when you got to Ramwick and then you play with the Ella mm. brothers, how was that? Well, the reason I went to Randwick, because uh, back in those days, the ACT weren't strong enough to play against Sydney or New South Wales. So it was ACT country combined. And uh, we played them at the Sydney Cricket Grounds um, and then played against at uh, the um, Eastwood. Mm -hmm. There was a a game there. And uh, Pete Fenton, Fab Fenton was the coach. And at halftime, he went up to Glenn and says, mate, can you do me a favour? Don't kick the ball to your mate at the other end. And that was me. Mm. So we all just kicking. <laughs> and he was getting a bit upset. Um, so, and then that was it. It was just part of going with the flow. But free spirit, I, I think because I was pretty quick off the mark, I wasn't a long-distance runner, that it was like, why kick the ball away? Let's just run with the ball. And I was lucky I had coaches who allowed me to do that. The reason why I went to Randwick was because of the Ellers. And Bob DeWire did state, he said, listen, before you retire, you've got to come for a year at Randwick. And I said, fine. And uh, the first game I played at halftime, I was absolutely shattered. And Bob said, what's wrong? I said, mate, I've never had so much ball in my life. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah, just, just give it to the wing and off you run. I said, yeah. well, I can't run anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was my introduction to Randwick rugby. Do you remember, I remember playing you at,
0: at Randwick, uh, Eastwood Ranwick? <laughs> Uh, and because it's got the cricket pitch down there yeah. at, at Ramek Oval, I remember looking at you. I went, you, you're in the mud, and you went, no, nah. and you're, you're around, <laughs> you ran the other Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to go in. It's it's like Chatswood Oval, We've got the the cricket pitch yeah. in the middle there. Um, so that free spirit. I remember uh, I remember you used to you had a poem that you yeah. that you used to read. Yeah. And it was something like tap dancing on ice or something. like that No hey? tap dancing on ice. Talk Come to on, me. What, what was it?
1: What was it? I couldn't tap dance in my life. Um, no, my mother was in '88. We played the All Blacks, and John Cohen ran around me a few times, and we lost up in, up in Brisbane and my mum found this poem it was uh, from a lady called Nancy Sims, Winners Take Chances. So winners take chances like everyone else, they fear failing, but they refuse, let fear control them. So that I, she gave that to me. So I read it for every game from that year onwards. Do you still remember it? Uh, majority of it, yeah. yeah. yeah so, um, so yeah, it was just one of those things that when I read it, I said, hey, that's me. That was it. That's what I used to read before every game, and it was really interesting. Here's all these buffy guys running around. Here's this little guy in the in the corner reading this little poem before he goes and plays a test match. But that's that's what I I sort of live by. I live by well, hey, if you're not going to try, you don't know where you're going to end up. So.
0: And is that uh, is that the the difference between old school and new school these days? Uh, you know, it's I, I know the, the pressures aren't there, or well, the pressures weren't there perhaps in the old days. There was still pressure, but. Is it a business these days that is perhaps the difference in rugby?
1: I think there there was pressure in those days because if you got injured and came off and someone played, well, you never got back in. Mm, So really you don't don't come off. Um, And so the the pressure was there and then every time you used to win, there was more pressure because the crowd would come back and want more and more and more. Uh, There wasn't like a substandard game and next week it was a bad game. It was like you had to deliver. And I think we were lucky that we came through an era where it was all about entertaining and we played a style of rugby. It was fun. You know, we had day jobs, then you go to training and training was your fun. Mm. And I think that's changed. I said, you look at the guys now, they walk on the fields like, oh, here we are again. Mm. You know, or they make a mistake. There's just, there's no emotion We used to, I mean, I can remember some of the games where you could hear me saying some really bad words if my kick didn't go out. (laughs) These guys, you miss a kick and the guy gives you a high five or low Mm, five, mm, you know? It's mm. about enjoyments. Um, I I was lucky, a quick story, I was lucky to coach the Natal Sharks for three years. And my good mates were Yanni and Bismarck Duplessis, the big big hooker. And he played a game after I sort of left there. And he got red carded for, I think, kicking uh, Liam Messam in the head. So a couple of weeks later, I rang him, I said, Busy, what are you doing? He said, oh, Campo, you know, he said, you know, they were targeting us, you know, plays, you know. I said, I know that, but I said, mate, just remember why we played this game. It was for fun. And he actually said, mate, you're right. Mm. He hasn't been in trouble since. Yeah. But sometimes you lose why you play because there's pressure of money, there's pressure of other, of other things. But for us, it was like, this is our fun. This is our playground to have a good time. And I think, you know, we played many tests. That's what it was about. It wasn't about the money. It wasn't about, you know, uh, anything else. It was about playing with your mates and trying to be the best possible player you could be. I remember uh, you used to scoot off to Italy for a while there. I remember we trained
0: at... Rawson Oval at uh, at Mossman. Yep. And you and Tim Gavin were coming in and you were late on your flight. So we, they literally the council turned yeah. the lights off and yeah. we had the car headlights that's on right. yeah. waiting for you guys to come through. Yeah. So we tried it was before in New South Wales, Queensland, yeah. Which is which is just what you did.
1: Well, I, I just that's what I mean. That's why we we did what we did, you know, even though going after Italy. Um, but it was an opportunity to also travel the world, you know. Mm. I mean Coming from Bean High, I had no idea about anything about life, you know. First Wallaby tour, the Grand Slam tour, you go to Shakespeare's house. Mm-hmm. Then you go, to, um, uh, you go to Buckingham Palace, meet the Queen and that. Like those sort of things, you know, I'm, I'm from Bean, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. So you, you just don't realise the, the opportunities and that's why league offers, whatever, wasn't, I wasn't interested in that because what a great life. Six months in Italy, six months in Australia, can't be that. Did you take anything from Buckingham Palace? No, some of the other guys did that. (laughs) That I I think I've got a spoon. Somebody, I thought so. We had, um, the the funny was in uh, 88, when did you, what what did you say? I was 90. Okay, well we went 84 and Chilla Wilson was the manager. And as you know, you all line up and mm. he goes through the team and we got to Chris Roach and he forgot, forgot his name. <laughs> That's great. So the Queen's gone, hasn't this one got a name? You know, yeah. so panic. 88, we had Andy Conway. Yeah. You know, Andy was yeah, really... Yeah, yeah. We said, Andy, please don't forget one's name. Yeah, yeah. Could Because they're all nicknames though. That's a thing. I know. But anyway, so we went... So I was obviously, you know, like Burr Campede, I was like number three. Cornish. Poor Cornish was number seven. <laughs> got to number seven. Nothing. Uh, so... That's great. Uh, I amazing. think everyone's got
0: the same story. when yeah. when, when we met the Queen, she went through, and then Prince Philip came through afterwards. And then Joe Roth turned to me afterwards and goes, who's that old bloke? <laughs> it's just like <laughs> ignorant Australians. Um, you, you mentioned about rugby league. Yeah.
1: Uh, no one came knocking? Oh, yeah, there was heaps, of heaps. yeah. I think there was Parramatta, there was um, there was St. George, it was Canterbury, Raiders, um, St. Helens in England. Right. And St. Helens happened after the um, 89 um, British Lions, the one I threw that past to Mudder, who didn't catch the bloody thing. Yep. Uh, so on the way home, I was caught speeding by the Coppers. I had a really good night. I uh, get home and St. Helens offered me more money. So obviously they didn't watch the game. Yeah, right. Um, but I just sort of said, no, I'm just, I just wasn't interested. Could you, let's, go, let's go hypothetical. Could you have made it in rugby league? Um, I don't know because I played league all my life. I played from under 8 to 16. So I tried for the Australian schoolboys. No yeah. one knows that in rugby league. So I uh, probably could have. Um, obviously defence was very different compared to rugby. Um, but I was there to score tries, so you know I think that you find your way around, as you know. Yeah. Let in three, score four. Yeah, type thing. Well, yeah, well, someone else will do the tackling, <laughs> but hopefully not let in three. But yeah.
0: let in three. Yeah. Um, you, you, let's go. Let's go. Um, that eighty nine, mm. uh, and I know you. You had it was a tough time for you then. You, yeah, you, you were talking about even re- like finishing up retiring.
1: Yeah. Well, what happened was I came back from Italy, and um, the British Lions came out. But if you as you know, as a player, if I got the ball 20 times and made two mistakes, no one cares. Mm. That's simple because you get so much ball. In that British Lions tour, I think I touched the ball three times in three tests.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. So, they remember. When you don't get the ball, that's what happens. So yeah. it was just one of those moments. I mean, I can go through the game, the game in Sydney, where it's interesting because I actually saved a try in one corner. And then that happens, and I've looked up and I'll see Yane Evans and nobody. And because I hadn't had a lot of ball, I wasn't confident, so I stopped, Marto caught, and I passed. And when you stop, as you know, and you pass and the guy's going forward, yeah. it's going to go past him. Yeah. So, oh, look, it happens. I learned. And as I said, that was 89-91 World Cup we won. Yeah. So you learn by your mistakes. General, as a young bloke, I, I watched
0: that game afterwards. So mm. I think, as I said, that was... After the fact, yeah. knew about it. So when I played with you, and they'd have a shot at goal, yeah. and you'd be beside me, yeah. I'd be absolutely ears pricked up, ready yeah. to go. Because you know, I just, so I, I blame Mardo for that one. He yeah. didn't catch the ball. like yeah. You'd, yeah. If someone throws past you the ball, they should catch it. So Especially I was, at that level. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and I was I was like I was like on high alert. Oh, shit, like, campo, this, campo this is what to me. <laughs> let's go, let's go. So don't just head down and run to the twenty-two. Yeah. Like, get yeah. ready for it. Oh, um, yeah. it, it on that's if, if that's the case, then you go to ninety-one World yeah. Cup and and. Uh, quite incredible uh, Player of the tournament yeah. uh, Outstanding Playing with a high level of confidence yeah. It must have been pretty special though.
1: Yeah it was I mean we um, It was all about the work that you did off the paddock As you know As a kicker as well As you, I mean the amount of work that no one sees you do And <clears throat> that World Cup I think it was like oh, I was 26, 27 So you're a bit more mature uh, You're an elder statesman in the team And it, again it was fun It wasn't like it was To me there was no pressure mm. You know, I think it was was like 19 going out there and no one knows who you are, just go and play. Um, But we just had a really good team at that stage. And it it just made things a lot easier when everyone delivered. And I think if you look back to that team, if you pick the world's best 15, I think we had nine players. So it's easy when you've got nine great players to play in the same team. All
0: right, that's the halftime whistle. But don't worry, there's still plenty more stories to come from Campo in just a moment. It's hard to believe that the Rugby World Cup started from humble beginnings in 1987 to the juggernaut it is today. Now, my co-commentator, the voice of rugby himself, Gordon Bray, takes us down memory lane with a look at the Wallabies.
2: Only the All Blacks have a better cup finals record than the Wallabies. Both nations have played in four championship deciders. New Zealand has won three, Australia two. That would have been very different but for an incident in the first tournament in 1987. In a pulsating semi-final against France in Sydney, the French snatched a last-ditch victory despite this slight knock-on before the final pass. The Wallabies made amends four years later in Britain and Ireland, despite a great escape in the Dublin quarter-final when Ireland scored a late breakout try against the run of play. It was sudden death or glory for the Wallabies, and they responded superbly. What a great comeback from Australia. The Wallaby juggernaut was then too much for New Zealand in the semi final a week later. David Campese's miracle pass to Tim Horan gutted all black resistance. Then in the final against England, it was Horan's counter attack that set up the only try of the game. Australia returned to the Cup Final in 1999 thanks to this stunning extra-time drop goal against South Africa in the semi-final. Larkham has De Beer, De Beer. Come the final, the French had no answer to Australia's power in attack and defence. Matthew Burke effectively converted Wallaby pressure into an avalanche of points, kicking nine blue-chip goals. Bang on target, And then big Owen Finnegan had the final save. And he gets there. As host nation in 2003, Australia again reached the final, this time against a dominant England squad. Lottie. After swapping first-half tries, the game went to extra time before Johnny Wilkinson stepped Australia into rugby immortality. Has he done it? He sure has! Australia entered the 2015 World Cup under new coach Michael Checker and turned the tournament upside down by knocking out the host nation, England, in the pool stage. Bernard Foley's 28-point masterclass crushed the English roads. The Aussies reached the championship showdown, so for the first time, it was the Wallabies and the All Blacks in the Rugby World Cup final. The men in black dominated the first half to lead 16-3 at half time. But Australia responded with two tries to close the gap. A late try to Bowden Barrett sealed New Zealand's third Web Ellis Trophy. And it was the perfect send-off for two of its all-time greats.
0: Hey there. Sorry to interrupt your podcast, but once you've finished up here, why don't you head over to Hammer at Home. You'll hear from me, Barry Dubois, I'll be talking to all sorts of interesting people from all different walks of life, about their homes, families, all sorts of stuff. Start by giving my chat with Dr. Chris Brown a listen. I reckon it's a lot of laughs. Take it easy, catch you soon. We're chatting with the David. The David. The David. Stop. Reset. I've been called a lot of things. (laughs) Time to go again with the, the golf. I can't get it. Yeah. Right. Can, I, can I, please keep this. <laughs> Beep. Campy. That's easy enough. We're That's back. That's a lot easier, yeah. We're back. Uh, let's quick talk about that 91 World yep. Cup. Uh, the pass, yep. the Timmy Horan pass, the Timmy scoring, the Timmy Horan try yep. to the, the David Campese yep. pass. Uh, premeditated, spur no. of the moment, what happened?
1: No, well, I think that I was playing probably my best rugby and the ball was kicked through, and I was actually gonna kick the ball, but it just bounced up into my hand. So I said, righto. Uh, Kieran Crowley came. Um, I had the ball, I had Tumu in front of me. So I had to move him somewhere because he was coming across and there was another all black. I think it was uh, Baship. So I stepped off my left. As I stepped, I saw, sorry, I stepped off my right. And then, sorry, sorry, I'll start again. Left, yeah, to get Tumu, I saw Timmy come in, and then I stepped on my right and he called. So I was like, okay, well, I just threw there. Which Was it over left shoulder or right shoulder? No, uh, was over my left shoulder. Over your left shoulder going right? Yeah, so I stepped left, and then I stepped right to get Timmy to turn, because he was on the angle, so I had to move him again, and as I went that way, I saw Tim and I went like that, so yeah.
0: Because Timmy claims it, he said he, he called it. Of
1: course and... he was. <laughs> You, and you the know, other tries I, he got in the World Cup off me, he planned it
0: as well That's exactly right, exactly right, the, the beneficiary uh, I remember watching that game uh, at whatever time it was in the morning Against New Zealand in the semi-final And literally everybody mm. the next day was down the park Or walking in the shops yeah. trying to work out That now, now was right foot going left and left foot over, over the right So
1: it became a, a pass of the ages Well we actually did it after the World Cup I worked for 10 for a while and they did the ads Yes. Using that pass. Yeah, right. Yeah. So. Iconic.
0: Yeah, it was. Um, go on to win the, the, the final yep. in, a, in a tough game. 12 yep. 6, uh, I think it was. Yeah, 12 school. 6. Well, it wasn't a great game. But you don't need to win great games. It doesn't need to be a great
1: game to win. I know, you know but I mean. it's amazing. It's just pressure. Yes. And it was a mental problem because we came back after beating New Zealand, which were the best team in the world. Yes. Really. So we are the world champions. Really. Yeah. That's how you think. And when we got the first trading session. Uh, so
0: was it a letdown then playing New Zealand?
1: Uh, playing England in the final. No, I don't think it was a letdown. I, I just, you're there to win. It yeah. doesn't matter who you play. You've still got to beat everybody. Um, and I think that year we had ten test matches, and we had a thing in our room every time we win a test, we'd chalk it off, sort of thing. Um, and I said to Nick as we went to the last, I said, "Mate, we've got a bit of a problem here. You can just see the guys are flat." I said they're actually very flat. Mm. It's not great, and it took a took a, a while to get us back up to to the final. Um, and I said it wasn't great, but Hey, who cares? Doesn't matter. World Cup champion. Yeah, exactly right. Or world champion. Uh, What about
0: uh, one of your other things that you're so well known for was the goose step? Where did did that
1: come from? Um, It was, I'm sure, a rugby league player. I'm not sure if Eric Groth used it when I was growing up. Played for Parramatta, obviously. Um, But the first time I used it, I was in Yass playing rugby league for the Queen Blues. I got the ball under my post. These two kids came to me. I did something. I went and scored the other end. These two guys had knocked themselves out. And I've got, geez, that worked. <laughs> that worked. That's how it started. So you shimmied straight through on yeah. there, And I said, oh, that looks. that's all right. I never practiced it at all. Mm. I and mean, you never seen me try and practice. I so just had something. It's like a sidestep or a swerve. It actually added something to when you go and play. And the opposition's got to work out what you're going to try and do. Is it
0: instinctive then? I mean, do we... Break it down to the the modern day player, mm. where they're they're big, they're strong, they're fast. Uh, you know, they can, yep. they know their stats, left, right, and centre. Do they have the footballing brain, or is back at the old days you had the footballing brain? And, and as you said, you went to work, yeah. and if you were able to get a lift in there, as yeah. in as in not get a lift to work, but actually a, yeah. go to the gym and and, and well, push weights. No, there's no gym nowadays. No, yeah. no. So so is it is it. How, how different is it then between amateur and professional?
1: Look, I, I think Alan Jones wrapped it up nicely when he, he, when he took over as coach in 94, sorry, 84. And what he made us do, we were professional in our attitude. Mm-hmm. There was no money, it was 20 quid a day, mm. so it definitely wasn't the money. But in our attitude to win, it was about being the... He came down and I did a sprint session and he came down and timed it. Mm. He gave us work to do and we did it. Because if you didn't, you weren't picked. Yeah. So there was that pressure. Um, Bob DeWire was very different, but he w- he wanted perfection. Every pass, if you know when we played, there wasn't many drop balls and there wasn't many two behinds. They were all in fronts. That's what Bob wanted. So Alan wanted our attitude. So it was very fortunate in that era. We had, like, if you think about Bob DeWire, he went from Ranwick to the Wallabies. He didn't mm. coach New South Wales. Mm. But he had the same formula that was at Randwick. God, this you know what he's like, he used to roll up and there like this, <laughs> the from back to forwards, going, yeah. back to forwards. And there was one coach, so yeah. he controlled and he knew what he wanted. Um, where Alan was a bit different, um, he had the game plan, but he, had, he knew what the opposition was like. So I just think that we love the game. I really think I still love the game now. I get really annoyed watching now. Mm. Um, for example, but Is it
0: because if, you love the game? Is it because we used to play four test matches? Where now they play Oh, yeah, well, test I matches. mean, I would
1: have probably played 1,000 tests if I had <laughs> played 11 tests <laughs> a year, right. up to 15. Um, look, I think that is part of it. But, guys, do you want to go and sit in an office yeah. <laughs> from nine to five for the yeah. rest of your life? No. A reality That's check what I mean. Sometimes. Reality is about money now. That's what players want, mm. you know? And, and as I said, the, the, the scary thing is now that, you know, a player comes off and they've lost by 50 and they're smiling. I mean, we would have been so pissed off mm. if we lost, mm. you know. And that's because it's not... You're taking the fun element out of it's a business. Yeah. You know, and that is professionalism. I don't think rugby is anywhere near professional compared to American Gridiron, all sure. these other codes. We are not nowhere near there because of... If we are, I mean, we've we've won two World Cups, we've got two finals, we lost. Mm. And we're very, very strong, but we still struggle because we haven't got our systems rights. As in the in-betweens. In between. In between the four in, years. You know, and as I said, we played club rugby. Club rugby is the best academy you can get. Yeah. I know guys who open up in the academies that probably played fourth grade rugby. They've got mm. their own academy going. Mm. I'm sitting there going, Okay, um, how can you have I've got my own academy. So how come you can have one I've played hundred tests, I've got level two, you got level two, I haven't mm. played, and it's okay. And no one's got control over it. So yeah. they can teach, as you know, whatever, whatever you want to teach. Yeah.
0: Um, talk about World Cups, and you mentioned that, so two wins, finals, couple of quarterfinals, a couple of semifinals. Uh, our blokes are rated 17 to one for this World Cup coming mm. up. Uh, is it a done deal? Thanks for coming. We can't no. go anywhere, or is it Cup football at its best and we rise to the occasion? Look,
1: I think Chex, um sort of mentioned that you know he went over there to watch Six Nations. He said, "Listen, you go to England, Twickenham. There's 60,000 Poms, you know. So the, the, the for some, I don't understand this, but the team gets really revved up when the crowd go crazy. I mm. still don't understand that." But that is in England. You go to Wales, there's sixty thousand Welsh. But you go to Japan, there's not going to be sixty thousand Poms in the stadium. Mm. There's going to be a mixture, so they're not going to get that momentum. That momentum because yeah. the crowds, gee, them on. So, yeah. and I think it's we always perform well. Um, we got the players. Um, I don't think our skills are where they should be, but besides that, um, I think they're going to be super fit, and I think it's just going to be a bash fest. So we'll get we got Wales and Fiji, Uruguay, and America. We'll get through that. Um, then we'll probably have England's. It's a mm-hmm. tough game, mm-hmm. but if you win that, then you're on. So you're still yeah. in there with a with a uh, with a chance. Now you wore the number 11
0: jersey. Uh, your, your career. Yep. Uh, there's another guy who burst on the scene after the '95 World Cup was uh,
1: Jonah Lomu. Yep. Did he just change the whole style? Oh, definitely. Of... Well, his fault I got dropped. Can you please explain. It was. It was. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was I wasn't well, I'm five five eleven and I was eighty two kilos. And he was. Jonah <laughs> was 120, yeah. Six foot four. <laughs> so, um, after the World Cup ninety one, uh, I remember I got dropped Bob DeWire dropped me. Uh for Damien Smith and Rothley because they were big. Um, so that's that's how he did he changed it. Mm. People, it's interesting, they reckon he's one of the world's greatest swingers, but you look at his work rate off the ball, he did nothing. Mm. But no one cares. Because mm. all they wanted to see him with the ball. With, with the big moments. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if yeah, I yeah. miss a tackle, yeah. oh can't okay, can't tackle. Yeah. I said, well, hold it. I scored well, four tries, but don't worry about that. I used to have the tackle after well, you. Well, that's so. why you are there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm um, not stupid. Yeah, you know? exactly I learned right. after a while. But Working. I mean Jonah was, he changed the whole concept of the game. <clears throat> and when we're professional, we got all these league. Defence coaches coming in, and it was all about mm. defence, defence, defence. I think now they spend more time on defence instead of attack. Yeah. Now, Australian rugby was always attack. Attack first. Um, I'm not sure if you watched on you know, the 20s final. Mm. Uh, 55 seconds, we score a try. Fantastic. Second half, 20 to go, shut up shop. Yeah. Because we don't know what to do. Yeah. We didn't pass the ball out once the back line. 91 World Cup, three minutes ago, we have to score to win, put it in the back line, we score in the corner. Yeah. So we knew where our strengths were. Now, oh, it's too hard. You know, you watch the Waratahs, Rebels twice. Um, in Sydney here, two minutes ago, minutes ago, the Rebels got the ball, hit up, hit up, yeah. hit up. The same as in Melbourne. Yeah. Got a chance to win, clueless. There's no leadership. They're all going, well, what are we doing, guys? Yeah. So take, take control. Our strength was our unpredictability. It doesn't exist. Go back to that Jonah one. and As you said, you know, the, the, the
0: moments in game. I think we worked out for the Waratahs at one stage there that he had 11 involvements in a game. Mm. So our coach, who was Jono, Scott Johnson, who was the assistant coach, he said, let's get those 11 moments out in the first half. So he got into in the second half and he got a recharge and he got another 11 moments. He had man of the match performance that day. We went, no, nah, let's just let him go. You know, let's, let's, uh, let's just let him do it. Uh, what, what can we learn from the past uh, when you played, even prior to that, for the guys now, how can you... I know it's, you talk about games moving yeah. on, the rest of it, but you've got to hang on to the past because we're not trying to invent the wheel, reinvent the wheel. What, what can the guys take out of
1: history? Um, I just think there's our culture. Um, as I said, I had no idea about rugby when I came, but obviously I know a lot more now. Um, and that's what history is there. History is there for a reason. Uh, the Wallabies come from nothing. You know, We used to get fly. I played the all backs 29 times and won nine. Mm. That's a record believe it or not. Mm. So we learned. We used to win. We used to play. We used to have fun. Uh, Around the world, everyone knew who the Wallabies were. We keep on changing the colour jersey. We keep on trying to do this. We're trying to do that. Just be who we are. Um, Forget about foreign coaches. They don't understand Australian rugby. Mm -hmm. Get coaches in there who are Australian, who want to play the Australian style. We have got a lot of talents. But as you know with the kids, the kids don't watch the game. They've got no idols in the game. And they don't know who the Wallabies are. Mm. It's pretty simple. Um, but winning helps. In Australia, because of Rugby League Aussie rules, we've <clears throat> got more money than us. But it's about entertaining. I think if you entertain the crowds, they'll come. Who do you like watching in this current mob, as in entertainers? Uh, well, I <clears throat> enjoy Quade Cooper, because uh, I think he's a great uh, flair player. We've got Kirtley Beale, <clears throat> But the problem is... You can't blame them when things go wrong because they flair. Mm. You've got to give f- options to the flair. It's yes, yep. the players around them still haven't don't understand. Uh, so that's, look,
0: that's the jigsaw <clears throat> puzzle that Czech's trying to
1: work out. Yeah, and I, he knows that. He knows that Kirtley if we had a if we didn't have a Kirtley, i tell you it would be pretty bloody boring. Yeah. Because he the all blacks don't like unpredictability. That's why we did so well in those days, because we had players, they had to think, which is what are they going to do now? They're not just normal players. Mm. Um, so that's, that's one of our problems. I think, you know, it's just getting out there and having a go. Mm. Just guys, you're playing for us old guys. That's what it's about. I mean, we continue the traditions, you know, that's what it's about. It's not about them. Mm. It's about the next guy generation and all these young kids, when I go and coach for the last 12 months, they've got no idea who we are. They're, They're clueless. The parents know. Yeah.
2: The and the cool
1: young kid looks at you like, did uh, you used to play? I said, yeah. <laughs> couple the times. Fine, yeah. But that's it, you know. And you go to New Zealand, they all know who the All Blacks are. Sure. You go other countries. But here, because we've got so many different sports, and you know, I think the other thing is, I think the players are used to mediocrity now. If we lose, oh, okay, if we lost yeah. a game, it's all right, we've got another game next week. Yeah. Instead of saying, hold it, I hate losing. We never used to lose. We were really annoyed when we lost. Mm. So I think it's a lot of that's old fashioned come on guys, just you know just let's get together let's just make sure we win this game mm. and actually understand that we're playing because of all the wallabies before us, who got us to where we are who who made us successful the grand slam 84 nineteen seventy seventy eight when the the wallabies uh, called Nelson four tries against the all four tries against mm. the All blacks no mm. i've never done it, so that's why we are who we are, but these kids are uh, you know, you, you lose a game, you miss five tackles. There you are taking a photo with your mate smiling yeah.
0: on Instagram. Different generation it at the is. moment. Uh, you've come across some people in, in your life yep. that, that, you know, and you, you mentioned about Buckingham Palace mm. and the rest of it. Other other sports people, I know I know when we were playing, mm. you were heavily involved with Mark Weber. Yeah, in Mark, the, yeah. Getting a start.
1: Well, I played, he's from Queenman, obviously. Um, his old man played prop for the Queenman Whites, and I was at fullback. Uh, then Mark was coming through the grades, uh, not grades, but I knew Mark, and then... Um, 96, uh, after, the, after our last, my last tour, came to the airport and said, I'm Mark Webber. I said, I know who you are. He said, mate, I'm having a bit of financial problems. I said, okay. <clears throat> so I lent him some money um, to continue. I went to London to speak all to the Australian businesses there to try and help Mark. And I said, you've got to go to Australia. came to Australia. You've got to go and speak to London. Mm. So I said to Mark, I said, listen, <clears throat> when you make it, you go to all those people to shove it. <laughs> Because I didn't help you when you wanted it, but because mm. you are someone, now they want to help you. Mm. So, I mean, it was a message that he did send. It was quite interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, in those days, young sportsmen, there was there wasn't unless you was a major sport, and car racing wasn't a major sport mm. unless you got money. You, there was no opportunity. So, yeah. What other what other sports do you watch now? Uh, well, I watch my son. Yep. Uh, Jason plays rugby, very good cricket, loves cricket. My daughter's very good tennis. She's at. Uh, Uh, Played for New South Wales um, under 15s this year. Next year she's involved with the under 14 to 18s for for 2020. Um, So we only got to Australia last year, but we knew we had to get our kids into the system and the amount of driving around for parents, I understand. I was very lucky as a kid because my parents didn't care about sport, so I had to get my way around myself to sports and all that. And uh, I think Nick Farr-Jones said that his parents, I think, came to everything but two tests. I said, my dad came to two tests in 101. Is that right? He had no idea. Is that right? Yeah, it was just yeah, it was good because wasn't, you know there was no pressure. Yeah, there was no one going oh this. I just travelled the world. I Did mean, we won the Grand Slam. I went straight to Italy uh, after the World Cup. I went to Italy, so six months later, how was the World Cup? Oh, I was all right. Yeah, good. <laughs> Well, that was six months ago, so I couldn't sort of say, "Oh, it was fantastic."
0: Yeah, that's it's right. It's Old news. You, know? you should have seen me go. I was, fa- I was fantastic. I was fantastic.
1: Uh,
0: that's it, mate. Thanks for your time. No worries. Um, you know, it's it's always great to chat yeah. with you because you've got one, you've got one, you've got opinion, and we remember we remember history, which is uh, sometimes lost upon us. So yep. thanks for your no time. No worries.
1: It's hard, Berkey talking rugby. No worries, mate. Thanks, mate. No problem.
0: Next time on Talking Rugby, our guest is another absolute legend of the game. He was handed the World Cup trophy by the Queen. He even managed to find himself in a compromised position in front of a British Prime Minister.
2: The, the boys thought this was fantastic, and at our 20-year reunion, Berkey, a um, couple of photographs appeared and uh, of, of us sort of talking. He in his three-piece suit, the glasses fogging up with the, the steam of the changing room. Me in the raw. Um, my only excuse would have been it was bloody cold on 2 November in London.
0: <laughs> That is, of course, former World Cup winning Wallabies captain Nick Farr-Jones. I'm looking forward to sharing that very funny podcast with you. That's it for this episode, and thanks for spending part of your day with me. I'm Matt Burke, and you've been listening to 10 Speaks Rugby podcast, Talking Rugby. (laughs) (laughs) Try
2: Australia. Patience for
0: You've been listening to Talking Rugby with me, Matt Burke.
2: If you've enjoyed this podcast, why not try some of the other 10 Speaks podcasts we have available? AFL from a Western Australian perspective in the Western Front with Tim Gossage and Lockie Reed. Georgia Love and Shura Taft talk all things The Bachelor in The Reality Bite. And Barry Dubois' new podcast, Hammer at Home, Search for these titles in your podcast player of choice.